This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. a wonderful weekend for Oscar. Oscar, Oscar, who will win? And we are going straight to the source and bringing on uh, one of my favorite up-and-coming film critics. Not really up-and-coming. He's very, very much established, but he doesn't necessarily have the same uh, cachet as the film critics that, uh, you know, that are quoted on... uh, the Today Show on a regular basis, or on movie posters. My uh, longtime friend, Jason Frank Konigsberg, who we affectionately call JFK. He is a film critic with the website panandslam.com, a site that has become very well known for its uh, very outspoken views and movie reviews on different subjects, especially come Oscar time. Jason, it's uh, so nice to talk with you. Thanks for getting up early for us. My pleasure, Frank. It's good to be back here. <laughs> so um, before we get into the the awards themselves, I know you put out on the Pan and Slam Awards, you always put out your list of what you think the best movies of the year were. Were there any movies um, in, in 2022 that you thought were just terrific but which were omitted entirely from uh, any Oscar nominations. Every year there's always a few. Uh, This year, from looking at my top ten or my best of the year list, uh, there was a couple. Uh, Barbarian, which was an excellent, excellent horror movie, a very surprising movie, but usually horror movies don't get recognized by Oscars anyway. Uh, I was kind of disappointed that Glass Onion, Knives Out, Mystery, and RRR only got one nomination. Uh, each, uh, and I'm trying to think, Crimes of the Future, the new uh, David Cronenberg movie. I thought that was excellent. But once again, Cronenberg, usually not an Oscar-type uh, director. Uh, so, yeah, there was, there was a few. Those are off the, you know, some of the best ones that got zero nominations this year I was disappointed in, but not surprised. I know um, they, they said, understandably, that the uh, 2020 and 2021 that got, kind of got the rap that it was a bad year for movies, probably due to the shutdown of theaters and yeah. probably due to the well, shutdown in, in production. Sometimes folks say, all right, this is a great year for movies. Look at all the nominees. They're all great. Other people say, look at all the nominees. They're all terrible. Do you think 2022 was a, a good year for movies or a bad year? I think it was a step in the right direction. I think this was the best year for movies we've had post-pandemic. If you look back and you remember 2019, I thought 2019 was one of the best years for movies that we had in the, the maybe almost a decade because uh, you had Parasite, The Irishman, Midsummer, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Marriage Story, so many great movies that year. That's just off the top of my head. Uh, and then 2020 and 2021, obviously, I think the pandemic had a lot to do with the quality of movies that were coming out and uh, nothing really particularly memorable. This year, though, I do feel like it was a bit of a return to form overall. It was a pretty good year for movies. Uh, Yeah, definitely since the pandemic, for sure. You know, in terms of, uh, obviously, you mentioned a horror film and uh, Crimes of the Future that uh, that probably wouldn't get nominated. Were there any films this year that you felt were just overt 
snubs that you felt the Academy w- must have been blindfolded to not nominate uh, a, any any person or any film in any category? Um, I don't know. I mean, my favorite movie of the year was Banshees of Inisherin, and I think that got the nominations that it deserved. Um, my second favorite movie was The Fablemans. I think that got a lot of the nominations that it deserved. Was there anything that just, you know what I really enjoyed? Weird, the Al Yankovic story uh, with Daniel Radcliffe. I mean, but once again, comedy, horror, those aren't the most respected uh, genres by the Academy. Uh, I think that could have gotten a few nominations uh, somewhere. Uh, but otherwise, eh, I, I think the, the Academy, for the most part, did a good job. If anything, we, we always talk about how I'm not a fan of the 10 nominees, or it used to be seven or eight or whatever. Uh, I think they should go back to just the five nominees, the definitive five, and stick with that. So if anything, they may be nominated too many movies for, you know, Best Picture and for other, you know, uh, things I. For example, All Quiet on the Western Front, I don't think that deserved whatever, how many, nine nominees or whatever nominations that it got. I don't think it deserved that. So, And this year there are 10 nominations, right? For there Best are, Picture? Yeah. They're, they're sticking with the 10, yep. Yeah, well, I, I think it can fluctuate. Uh, it, it's a little bit of a, um, a a complicated voting process for how the nominations are. I, so I, I know that's the max that they can, uh, they can have. Right. But I, I don't know. I right. feel like it keeps more movies in it that uh, normally would be. It's like expanding the playoffs in baseball. It keeps yeah. more movies in it than, than normally would be considered. Um, in, but how many deserve that nomination? It used to feel like such a prestigious thing when you got a Best Picture nomination for the Academy Awards. Now it just feels like it's almost a consolation prize. So two weeks ago, uh, I was talking with uh, Debbie Schlussel, who is a film critic, but she's, you know, she's a a conservative as well. And she Mm -hmm. said something very odd um, for her because it's not, you don't usually see her as the type of person that's going to be sticking up uh, and crying racism when it comes to anything. But this is what Mm -hmm. Debbie Schlussel said about, uh, about the Oscar nominations. So a lot of people are saying, Oh, you know, it was kind of racist of the Academy Awards that they did not vote for the woman that was the main, the lead actress and really the lead character in the movie till. And I have to say, I happen to agree. You would be surprised to hear that from me because I'm not politically correct. In which film, Till? The movie Till. Mm -hmm. I thought that movie was, I actually was surprised. I thought it was very well done. I thought it was very moving and touching. It's a true story that a lot of people don't know um, about this guy, Emmett Till, who as a teenager was sent down south to visit his cousins. His mother was worried, and then he sees this white woman at this drugstore where they got ice cream or sodas, whatever, and he tells her that she's good-looking and whistles at her. And he is um, so brutally uh, tortured and murdered by the relatives of this woman that his body is unrecognizable. And his mother, this is a real-life story, his mother, they're from Chicago, she decides that she wants an open casket, even though everyone tells her not to, because it's so horrifying and she wants everybody to see that this is what's going on in America, and which did go on in America in those days. I mean, it was a lynching. And I, it's a true story. It's a very effective movie. It's very well done. And I thought the woman that played the mother, uh, this woman, Deadweiler, I think it's... Yeah, I Danielle, Danielle Deadweiler. Danielle, that's yeah. it. She was 
so good. I couldn't believe it. I thought she was so effective. I looked her up, and she was an actress in a in a, a series I saw on Netflix, and I couldn't even believe it was the same person because she is such a great actress. She really morphs into such diverse characters. So, Jason, let me ask you the same question. Um, do you share Debbie uh, Debbie's view that uh, that Till and specifically Danielle Deadweiler was overlooked? And do you uh, she went on to say that she thinks it's due to sort of a kind of a quiet racism that exists among some of the people that uh, that that participate in the Academy Award nomination process. Do you have it? What's your take on the whole Till controversy? I, I do agree with her. Um, and there's also, you could mention Viola Davis not being nominated. Her snub for The Woman King. Uh, she's always a good actress, Viola Davis. But both of those actresses, Danielle Deadweiler, I can't say I've honestly seen in anything else that I'm aware of. Uh, so I don't know what Netflix show she was talking about. But uh, yeah, both of those, they were both expected to be nominated, Danielle Deadweiler and Viola Davis. And they were not. And instead, the uh, they were replaced by uh, Ana de Armas from the controversial NC-17 Netflix movie Blonde, where she plays Marilyn Monroe, uh, which was another very unpleasant watch. Uh, but I, once again, Ana de Armas, beautiful, talented actress. Uh, she did a good job. And the other main reason was Andrea Reesborough. I don't know if you heard about her controversial best. Actress oh, yeah. I ju- I, they're saying it you was. Did? The, OK, the, I just read about it. And uh, five, 10 minutes ago, they said it was the result of uh, aggressive campaigning. Is that what they're saying? Yeah, she basically got all of her famous friends. I'm trying to think. Uh, Kate Winslet is the only one I remember off the top of my head. But I know it was a ton, a ton of just, you know, if you have famous friends and they all say you have to vote for this person, you have to vote for this person. Uh, I guess they all said vote for Andrew Reesborough for Two Leslie and this little movie, which it is good. It seems like it, you know, she gives a good performance. Um, it got her a nomination. So those they Anna de Armas and Andrew Reesborough sort of took the two spots that were I'm using air quotes sort of reserved for Danielle Deadweiler and Viola Davis. So it makes the Academy look racist. I mean, Andrew Reesborough certainly they're investigating. There was a very controversial. Uh, I've watched YouTube videos about how she got her nomination. Very controversial campaigning, the way she got it. But either way, she got it. And uh, the two African-American women that were, you know, allegedly, you know, frontrunners for a Best Actress nomination did not get it. And I feel like the Academy does have a history of racism, especially in two categories, Best Actress and Best Director. We have yet to have an African-American win Best Director, I'm sorry, Best Director. You know, we have yet to, Spike Lee won Best Screenplay. He never won Best Director. Uh, but, uh, and the other uh, one is, other than Halle Berry, no African-American woman has won Best Actress. What? So I don't know why that is, but it seems that a couple of years ago, uh, Viola Davis was the front runner uh, during one of the COVID years for Ma Rainey's uh, Black Bottom. And she was the front runner, and she lost to Frances McDormand, who won her third Oscar for the Best Picture, eventual Best Picture winner, uh, Nomadland. So it's just – it seems like those are like the most coveted, uh, whitest uh, categories uh, and toughest ones for African Americans to break through in Best Director and Best Actress in a Leading Role. But-
But haven't haven't they made all sorts of uh, changes to diversify the pool of voters and to um, make uh, I don't know make make the whole Academy Award process much more welcoming to minorities in recent years? I mean, it's reflected uh, this year in um, in a lot of the Asian actors that are nominated yeah, for everything yeah, everywhere yeah, all yeah. at once. And I know in previous years uh, you saw the uh, the director of uh, Birdman, uh, who's who's Hispanic. He he was able to actually win. Haven't they made a lot of these changes? I mean, the fact that they didn't get nominated, do, how do we immediately ascribe it to racism when it seems like the Academy is going to great lengths to sort of diversify its ranks? They have. And you look at the other, you know, nominations, acting nominations pool. And yes, they are. They are diverse. It just seems to me, OK, this is just my unofficial observations uh, an outsider looking in that Best Actress and Best Director are really tough to crack uh, mm. if you're uh, African-American. It just, mm. from from my viewpoint, I have no, you know, well, you know, the statistics back that up. No African-American is one Best Director and only one African-American is one Best Actress. And it's been over 20 years since Halle Berry had her, you know, great moment when she won for Monsters Ball. So it, it's been a while, but, and I do think we will see some, uh, non-white, non-Caucasian winners this year, for sure, when we do the acting categories, when we go through a rundown of each category. Well, so. If people are just tuning in, we're talking with uh, Jason Konigsberg. He's a film critic with panandslam.com. You can check out the website, and um, you see his detailed reviews of all the films that we're going to be talking about, including a bunch of others that we're, that we're not talking about. Hey, the viewership for the Academy Awards uh, telecast last year was a 15.3 million people. While it was up from 2021, it was still the second lowest viewership in in history. Why do you think the viewership of the Academy Awards uh, telecast, which used to be must-see viewing for almost the whole country, almost on par with the Super Bowl, why do you think it has continued to decline so much over the last 15, 20 years? Main reason, less people have cable, less people have basic cable, less people have, even though it's on ABC, not a cable channel, I think less people have the, you know, old way of hooking up, uh, you know, their TVs and uh, satellite and whatever. Uh, so I think more people are just, they. a lot of homes just have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, whatever, they'll have three or four streaming services. And that's their main source of television nowadays. Uh, so I think that's a major factor because it's a lot of uh, in a, maybe older viewers will watch it that still, you know, are steadfast and pay their Comcast bill uh, and, and constantly, you know, they have that always there where they're watching cable and they're watching, you know, the way I guess younger people used to watch TV, but I feel less homes have access to that sort of way of watching TV. So they have to find other ways to do it. And, uh, yeah, I don't think we're ever going to get a ratings. If I'm not mistaken, I've done this show with you, uh, Oscar shows, many times over the past few years now. And I think the number of Titanic, the year that that won, I think that was the highest rated Oscar. Uh, and and yeah. you, yeah, I mean, I would think that's a reflection of the fact that the film was so popular 
that and it was nominated. There's been other popular films, but yeah, maybe but to that the tune was the of that at the box film. office, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, I know Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. I mean, but yeah, Titanic was a phenomenon. We'll never have a movie like Titanic again. We, yes, it's been surpassed with Avatar, which was also a super popular movie in 2009. Uh, it's been surpassed with you know one of the Star Wars sequels and Avengers and other movies. But the way Titanic dominated the box office from December of 97 till April of 98, you know, being number one for so many weeks in a row, I I don't know if we'll ever see that uh, type of dominance. Since you mentioned Avatar, the Avatar sequel is nominated for a bunch of awards this year, including Best Picture. What did you uh, what did you think of uh, of the Avatar sequel? Liked it, didn't love it. And now James Cameron, usually he has a great track record with sequels. He, of course, directed Aliens, which some could argue is better than Ridley Scott's original Alien. It's a fantastic movie. And, of course, Terminator 2, one of the best sequels of all time. It felt like just more of the same Avatar way of the water, but it was still good. It was still, and like the original Avatar, if you're going to see it, you got to see it on the big screen, 3D, IMAX. That's the only way to go. And um, we, I know you mentioned Banshees of Inna Sharon as your favorite yeah, picture that's that nominated this year. What um, you didn't think that was just so incredibly depressing? Yeah, I mean, it was about depression. It was about two friends with mental illness, uh, well, one in particular. And I thought it was a good story about you know friendship and the civil war, the Irish civil war and the backdrop and the civil war between these two men and what their legacy means and and the different philosophies of going through life. That movie really spoke to me uh, in ways that no other film this year did. Uh, Like I said, maybe the Fablemans came close, but uh, Banshees of Insurance. I mean, Frank, I know you try to see every movie. Uh, Did you you saw that and did you like it? I saw Banshees. I I liked it. I liked it more than Rachel did, but I thought it was certainly well made, and I thought the acting was great. I thought it looked great. I thought uh, I, I thought it was really well done. It was just, um, it was, it was, it was such a downer uh, that, um, in terms of sheer enjoyment, there were some other films in, that were nominated in the best picture category that I uh, that I enjoyed a lot more. It's funny you say that because once again, Frank, Rachel, I love Rachel, uh, but she is probably <laughs> rolling her eyes right now, saying, "Oh my God!" Well, that's Jason what she said. I, we're when, always on complete polar right. opposites. When I read me. her your review, that's exactly what she said. Uh, she said, "Oh, that's no surprise." Prize. Uh, we, yeah, we never, we're always never, on the total opposite right. when it comes to uh, movies. But and, and about the the fact that Banshee's Adventure wasn't nominated for Best Cinematography, I thought that had better cinematography. I remember I saw that around the same time I saw Avatar Way of Water, and I was more blown away by the way Martin McDonough photographed Ireland uh, in the 1920s than I was James Cameron bringing us back to Pandora. Mm. Uh, Well, I'm going to uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to get your predictions so that everybody who's participating in an Oscar pool this year knows what to bet on. And I'll also ask you uh, what happens if there's another Chris Rock, Will Smith incident. uh, And uh, if you uh, if you have any take on anything else that we should be focusing on or keeping an eye on for the ceremony this Sunday. Uh, Don't forget, everybody, this weekend is daylight saving time so you got to set the clocks back an hour 
don't let that affect your Oscar viewing if you're planning to watch it. Or uh, don't. most important, don't let it affect your radio listening enjoyment on uh, Monday morning uh, because uh, we'll set your clocks ahead an hour, not back an hour. Spring ahead, fall back. Uh, don't let it affect your radio listening come Monday morning when we join you again. All right, we're going to continue with Jason Konigsberg from panandslam.com. 800-848-9222. If you have a question, we'll try and get it in. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. This is uh, Take My Breath Away. This is both in the original Top Gun and the new one. Uh, the song that's in the new Top Gun, the Lady Gaga song, actually got a nomination for Best Original Song. And I must say, I do think it was uh, quite good. I think it was a deserving nomination. Uh, we're talking with film critic Jason Konigsberg from panandslam.com. Jason, what did you think of the new Top Gun film? I liked it a lot. I saw it in the theater. I haven't seen it since back in late May or early June when it came out. Uh, I liked it a lot. I don't particularly remember the song by Lady Gaga, but I know it's been uh, nominated. Uh, did you like Top Gun Man? I did. I, I loved it, actually. I, I think yeah, me it, too. Was, it was on my top 10. Yeah, yeah I, I saw that and I thought it, and I agreed with that. I thought it was one of the most entertaining movies uh, uh, that I've seen uh, of the year. By the way, you mentioned seeing that this in theaters. One of the things that we're seeing both for the the people that vote on these awards, both for critics and for audiences at large, is a change in how audiences are watching these films. I have seen all of the movies that we're talking about on uh, my television, on my streaming device. And I, I have tried to get to the theater a couple times, but it's been it's been difficult. I haven't made it there. Do you think that the fact that so many more viewers are watching these movies the way that I am has any impact on uh, on the winners or the films that are nominated or anything like that? Absolutely. So you don't need to have the best special effects like an Avatar or like a Christopher Nolan movie or a Star Wars movie or Top Gun, which I mean, that was an immersive experience seeing that in theaters. I'll give that a lot of credit. Um, And I'm glad it made a lot of money. But uh, yeah, that's why they're not taking, you know, chances on movies like that anymore. And like you said, people just don't have the time. We have so many options at our fingertips, we have so much. It's not even uh, movies should be art, but the the way a lot of companies look at it, it's just content, and they just want titles and content and rights to certain things. And I mean, years ago, before videotape, you had to struggle and wait for your art house movie to have I don't know a screening of 
uh, an Orson Welles movie or a screen, you know, a Fellini movie, and then you'd get to see something, you know, like eight and a half. And then, you know, videotape came out. You had to go to the video store and rent a movie, and that, that was a little bit more of a commitment, a procedure. Now we have all these amazing streaming titles. If you want to see an amazing classic movie, I'm willing to bet that it's on one of, you know, the services that you have a subscription to. Uh, so we have so much content at our fingertips that it, it, it's, it makes it going to the theater. It makes it feel like you're, you know, wasting your money, wasting your time. It's unfortunate. Yeah. Hey, um, I mentioned the, uh, the Will Smith incident from last year. You know, we were together yeah. uh, for the, the time that uh, Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway read the wrong film as the uh, best picture nominee. Yeah, Moonlight over uh, La La Land. Right. Yeah. Or, uh, right or La La Land over Moonlight right. was what they said. Right. Yeah. And, um, and that pales in comparison to what happened last year. Oh. Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. You took my name out Wow, dude. Yeah. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I can, oh, okay. That was a greatest night in the history of television. What was your take on that whole thing, uh, Jason? How did you think uh, Chris Rock handled it? How did you think the uh, local authorities in L.A. handled it? How did you think the uh, producers of the show that night handled this whole thing? I think Chris Rock handled himself pretty well. You could tell he was shook up. He kept his composure. And uh, and did you get to see his new Netflix special? Not yet. I heard he he, uh, has a bit about that, but I haven't seen it. Yes, he does. I highly recommend it. I mean... Yeah, Will Smith. But Will Smith assaulted him, and it, he, he Will Smith has, for a very long time, been he's one of the biggest movie stars of all time. Okay, he's up there with Tom Cruise, with Tom Hanks, with uh, you know he's he's sort of in that rarefied air where I don't know if he realizes consequences, and he's probably surrounded by a bunch of yes men and yes people. Um, and whatever, he's, he's good for him that he's uh, a good, dedicated husband to his wife. Um, but all this other stuff came out about him and his wife that I didn't know about afterwards. I, there's, I mean, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith aren't people that I guess I think about much. But uh, should, should he have been arrested that night? I don't know. Should he have gotten the standing applause and won for King Richard? Uh, there's a lot of things. that, And you know how many people I know that I spoke to after that happened that thought it was all planned oh, and all staged? I, I can promise you, because- I, I, I was on the air three hours after it happened. I would say that was 40 to 50 percent of the audience uh, that called in yeah. and said they thought it was staged. But- they they wanted it to, to boost ratings. I, I don't think the Oscars, if, if the Oscars wanted to boost ratings, then they'd give an Oscar to Lady Gaga, which they already did for, uh, what was it, Star is Born. Or they'd, you know, they would do other they, then they wouldn't be nominating Banshees of Inisherin, which, you know, or some movies that are, you know, depressing and not, you know, the typical Oscar movies uh, type of things. Then we'd have more, you know, maybe genre movies up there. But uh, I, I, I think did the Oscars handle it well. I think they learned from their mistakes, and I don't think they're going to let anything like that happen again. And I think there's going to be a lot of jokes this year um, about. Oh, you do. That so you, you think they'll they'll address it. Absolutely. I think there there might be more jokes about that than there will about uh, uh, 
Trump or current politics or whatever, which we always talk about in the past, how there's always going to be some sort of anti-Trump uh, sentiment and that sort of thing. So. Yeah. Do you think that'll still be the case this year, seeing as Trump's, you know, not president? And and I mean, obviously, he's still a presidential candidate, but you yeah, still I was going to say he's still relevant. So, right. yes, yeah, so he's not. A, he's, yeah. So I'm sure there will be something, some mention about that. I'm sure there's going to be some mention about Ukraine and it'll get a standing applause. Uh, so I'm sure there's some, the, the, the usual, you know, liberal uh, Hollywood agenda will be out there uh, as, as as it always is. And are there I read that there were some safeguards in place to prevent a slapping incident this year. Do we know what would happen if something like that occurs this year? I don't know what they're going to do, but I'm sure that if someone comes up to the stage that isn't supposed to uh, at any particular time, maybe they'll have strong, a stronger security presence uh, protecting whoever the presenter is or the, the winner is. Uh, I'm thinking of like, I mean, years ago, Kanye West would come up and you just, you know, interrupt people and say things. So obviously, uh, that I think was at the Grammys, a little bit more. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Grammys. And I think he did it at the MTV Awards years ago so yeah i guess that they're gonna cut down on that so if anyone gets up that's not supposed to get up uh i think we might see more of a security all right all right uh this year is very interesting in that three of the four acting categories are unusually tight and that's not usually Mm -hmm. the case is it no and in fact in recent years it's almost been we haven't had competitive acting races frank in a long time i remember doing this uh uh, show with you, and I think maybe the most the, one, of some, one of the tightest actor races that we discussed was when Eddie Redmayne defeated uh, Michael Keaton uh, for a theory of everything right. over Birdman. But otherwise, yeah, no, we have three acting races that are really tough to call, and only one is an absolute. I mean, if, if best supporting actor is someone other than who the front runner is, uh, we are going to see a lot of surprised people uh, the next day. And uh, what are what are the the acting categories that are competitive? Give us sort of the lowdown there. Well, we'll start. I guess we could start with best uh, actor in a leading role. It's a three way race. It could really go three ways. Uh, you've got Austin Butler for Elvis, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, and Colin Farrell for Banshees of Inisherin. Um, I mean, if you want, you want to dissect that each race right now, Frank, or, uh, uh yeah, the, well, uh, sure. Why not? Why don't we, why don't we go in that direction? Right. So actor in a leading okay. role, who, who, actor in a leading who, role. Yeah, who do you think should win and who do you think will win? Should win. I think it obviously should be Colin Farrell for Banshees of Inisherin. will win. I, it's, he's probably the third most likely to win. It's kind of come down to a two-way race between Brendan Fraser for The Whale, which Brendan Fraser, his narrative, his comeback story is something that everyone in the Academy likes and would like to see him win. Just did you see The Whale, Frank? Uh, not yet. I'm, I'm eager to see it. Okay. I don't recommend it. It's just so painfully obvious. And Darren Aronofsky's such a terrific director. He basically made, remade The Wrestler, only instead of it being a has-been wrestler, it's a big, fat recluse. Um, and then, but uh, honestly, did you see the Elvis movie, Frank? No, I'm uh, seeing it. I think Rachel and I are seeing it Friday or tonight. Yeah. I'm, I was surprised. I put off seeing it because I, musical biopics are just, I mean, they're so a dime a dozen now. I was surprised how much I enjoyed it. And Austin Butler does do a good job. Um, I, I would give it to Colin Farrell, but I think if I had to bet money, if I had to, you know, if I was placing my bet, 
We know the Oscars, just the example I gave, Eddie Redmayne, Theory of Everything, okay, playing Stephen Hawking's one over a fictitious, uh, fictional character played by Michael Keaton. Oscars love biopics, Rami Malek for um, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Austin Butler, who, like Eddie Redmayne at the time, not a very well-known actor, I think he's going to end up winning it for playing a real-life Elvis. And Uh, he does a good job. All right, actor in a supporting role. Uh, What will win, what should win? Uh, it's going to be Kiki Kwan for everything, everywhere, all at once. And he is, uh, he should win and he will win. Although I like Brendan Gleeson as well, but he's the, that's the one race that's not competitive. And, and uh, actress in a leading role, what will win, what should win? Competitive race. It's a two person race. It could be Kate Blanchett for Tar. It, uh, could be Michelle Yeoh for everything, everywhere, all at once. I would give it to Michelle Yeoh, and I think this is her year. Kate Blanchett could win her third Oscar come Sunday, but I think Michelle Yeoh is going to win because everyone seems to love everything, everywhere, all at once, and with good reason. Actress in a supporting role. What will win, what should win? Two, uh, three-person race as well. Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Jamie Lee Curtis for everything, everywhere, all at once, and Kerry Condon. This is the toughest race to call. I wouldn't be surprised if Kerry Condon wins like Olivia Coleman won for the favorite a few years ago. I would want Kerry Condon to win, but I guess I would put my money on Angela Bassett. But don't be surprised if Jamie Lee Curtis or Kerry Condon win. All right. Animated feature. Same question. Animated feature. I think it's going to be Pinocchio. Uh, the other nominees. Uh, yeah, I guess Guillermo del Toro is going to win his second Oscar for Pinocchio. Best cinematography. Uh, let me find the category here. Best cinematography. What is, uh, you know what? I think it's going to be all quiet on the Western front of the nominees. I can't, like I said, I can't believe Avatar and Banshees of Insurance weren't nominated. I think I'd give it to Elvis, but all quiet on the Western front is going to win cinematography. And uh, costume design. How about costume design? Costume design, I think, will be, I'm going to say Elvis. Because that had some pretty elaborate, pretty good costumes. And best director. Best director. It's going to be the two Daniels. Daniel, uh, what's his name? The right, Sh- Daniel Kwan and Daniel the, Yeah, everyone wants it to be Spielberg. Spielberg already has two Oscars. He hasn't won an Oscar in 25 years since Saving Private Ryan. But it's going to be Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner. They won the DGA. They're going to win for everything, everywhere, all at once. All right, documentary feature. Documentary feature. Documentary feature. Uh... I saw all the breeds. I really like that, but I think it's going to be Nalvani because that's a very topical one involving yeah. Russia. So yeah. look for Nalvani. Yeah, tonight. I think you're right on that. How about documentary yeah. short? Did you see any of these? I have not seen any of the all animated right, so, shorts or the documentary right, so shorts. We'll so those. your guess is as good as okay, mine, we'll but get. sure. Okay. How about film get. editing? Film editing. Film editing. Uh, let me go to. We got Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything All Everywhere All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun. See, the thing is, Tar, Top Gun, Banshees, uh, they might not win anything else that night. Uh, So this could be a chance to reward a movie that's not everything, everywhere, all at once. But I'm going to go with the safe bet and say editing is going to go to everything, everywhere, all at once. Uh, International feature I don't think is competitive at all. It's got to be all quiet on the Western front, right? It's going to be all quiet on the Western front. I'm very upset RRR wasn't nominated for Best Picture for Best International Film. But, yeah, it's going to be all uh, all quiet on the Western front. Makeup and hair. Uh, It could be The Whale. It could be Elvis. 
I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to say it's the whale because they do do a tremendous job. It's a lot of latex on Brendan Fraser in that. All right. Um, best original score. Best original score. Uh, let me find the nominees. Got to be the favorites with John Williams, right? He's 90. No, John Williams hasn't won an Oscar since I think Saving Private Ryan. So I don't think I think the Fablemans are going to go home empty-handed. Sadly. Uh, let me see best score. Why can't I find this? Oh, here it is. Best achievement. Okay. Uh, you know what? I think from what I've been reading, it's going to be. <clears throat> Babylon, which I thought was just very uh, difficult to watch. I did not get into that I haven't movie seen at all. Yet, but uh, but I, I, yeah. I'm looking forward to checking that one. How about original song? We got This Is A Life from Everything All At Once, Natu Natu from RRR, Lift Me Up from Black Panther, Hold My Hand from Top Gun, and Applause from Tell It Like A Woman. Okay. Um, and also, This Is A Life from Everything Ever All At Once. I don't know if you said that. But yeah. I think it's going to be RRR. I guess I think there was a lot of love for that movie. And when it didn't get the best international uh, picture nomination, I think that it's going to, this is its consolation prize. I think that's going to win. Uh, and fortunately, they have finally merged the sound categories. And we now have a category <laughs> known as Best Sound. Um, all Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Batman, Elvis, or Top Gun. What will win, what should win? Uh, I would say Top Gun, but I guess All Quiet on the Western Front has a lot of nominations. And Netflix, I've said this before, they're sort of the new Miramax, where they campaign very unscrupulously. And that's why All Quiet on the Western Front has so many nominations this year. So I think they might go home with that. But I I would give it to Top Gun. Uh, Visual effects. I noticed you haven't mentioned Avatar here. Could Avatar be, could this be their category? Avatar, that could be their category. Uh, let me see. What are the other nominees? You got for Top that Gun, one? Maverick, Black Panther, um, The Batman, and uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, in addition to Avatar. You know, I would say Avatar, but honestly, remember that year when Ex Machina beat Star Wars? There could be a surprise there where you, you don't know, but I would say probably Avatar for that one. Uh, best adapted screenplay. You got All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, Living, Top Gun and women talking it's going to be women talking because sarah Pauly. the big talk was that there was no woman nominated for best director and she was the best chance for a woman to be nominated so and she's a very talented actress writer director i'm very happy if sarah Pauly uh wins for women talking i'd give it to ryan johnson for glass onion i love that movie. and uh best original screenplay you've got banshees of inna sharon everything everywhere all at once the fablemans tar and triangle of sadness any one of these five could win. If I were a betting man, I would bet on Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for everything, everywhere, all at once. However, I feel like if the Academy does want to reward one of these other movies with a chance to take something home, maybe Martin McDonough for Banshee's Adventure or Todd Field for Tar. Uh, so any of them could actually win, but the safe bet is everything, everywhere, all at once for original screenplay. And finally, uh, best picture, um, the big category for all the Marvels, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Banshees of Sharon, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. If it's not everything, everywhere, all at once, it's going to be one of the biggest upsets since Moonlight beat La La Land. Okay, so everything, everywhere, all at once has won everything up to this point. It won the DGA. It won. uh, That's the movie to beat. That's the front runner. And I don't see anything beating it, but you never know. This, This was a strong year for movies, and there are 
you know, four or five really good movies on that. But if you were uh, voting, you'd vote on Banshees. If I was voting, I would vote on Banshees. All right. Uh, we're going to continue with Jason Konigsberg from com. Now that you are, can all win your Oscar pool, Jason has a has an unparalleled record of Oscar predictability and getting it right. So you'd be well advised if you're participating in an Oscar pool to, uh, to take his advice to heart. We're going to continue in a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. Other side of midnight. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano, uh, joined for the hour from uh, panandslam.com, Jason Konigsberg. It's a terrific website that you really have to uh, check out. Hey, Jason, I did not see Blonde, the uh, Marilyn Monroe movie, but you indicated that you thought it was uh, that it was difficult to watch. How come? What was the problem? Eh, just a little unnecessary. I mean, obviously... Marilyn Monroe had a tough life and it had some unflinching moments. It's just, it's not a pleasant, oh, pretty Hollywood picture of Marilyn Monroe. And and that's, that's, you know, fine. But it also wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't particularly compelling either. Mm. Uh, so, it, and it was long. And that's another trend. I, and this is making me miss VHS in the days before the multiplex when they wanted movies to be two hours or less <laughs> to get a certain amount of show times. And that movie did not need to be over two and a half hours long. Babylon, three and a half, three and a quarter hours. Come on. Give, these movies don't need to be as long as they actually are. It's it's unfortunate. So even the Elvis movie, which I, I liked, I just, uh, you know, I put off seeing it and then finally saw it. It's still just a little too long. What was your opinion of uh, Triangle of Sadness? I liked it, but it's not best picture material. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Uh, I really enjoyed yeah, that as well. Okay, I, I mean, oh, you know what? I, I guess I'm getting a little sick of. I feel like Parasite did it perfect. I'm getting sick of. Okay, rich people are bad. It's easy to just pick on the rich in movies now, and and it's been done before, and now it's just sort of becoming a trend. You know, I guess Knives Out and Glass Onion both did the same thing, but I think they did it better than Triangle of Sadness. Um, so it, 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 Triangle Sadness, I liked it. I didn't love it. I didn't think it was best picture. Uh, now material. this year they're ba- they have a host again, right? They have one host. Is it Jimmy Kimmel again? I I think so. I'm not a hundred percent. Usually you're better on who the host is. Uh, the actual award ceremony uh, situations like yeah, that. I, yeah, I think I, he's back. Did you find that you enjoyed the ceremony itself more with a host or sort of done by committee as it was last year? I don't think it really, because they, they went hostless for a number of years. Right. I don't think it really made a difference. It depends on the host. There was years when Chris Rock hosted it, and I thought he was fantastic. There was years when Steve Martin and Billy Crystal hosted it, and I thought they were excellent. Um, so it just depends who the host is, I suppose. Uh, Ellen did it uh, a couple of times, and I thought she was very good. So, no, that doesn't really make a difference. Or if anything, I guess I prefer the host as long as it's someone that, you know, is does a good job. Uh, I remember not not particularly liking Whoopi Goldberg the years that she hosted. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't get her whole thing where she came out in all those 
different costumes. That was yeah, uh, that was and that was all, and it made it went on and on. I think that that might have been the record for the longest Oscars with that year. That was the year of Shakespeare in Love and uh, yeah, Elizabeth. Yeah, right. Now, one of the things that we've seen them do in previous years to save time is they weren't putting the uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award during the actual ceremony itself. They did it during a, a special pre ceremony or something like that. What is the story with that this year? Is that included in the ceremony itself? And do we know who's getting the Lifetime Achievement Award? No, the, that already happened. They haven't done that for years, Frank. And I think that's very unfortunate because that robs people of a chance to learn about a great filmmaker or a great actor. Like I'm looking right now at the list. On November 19th, 2022, they had the honorary awards. Uh, they went to Diane Warren, Yuzan Palsy. Uh, she's a South African filmmaker, I believe. Peter Weir, a great Australian director. He directed The Truman Show. He directed Witness. He directed uh, Fearless with Jeff Bridges. Outstanding director. And uh, Michael J. Fox won the Gene Hirschholt uh, Humanitarian Award. I would love to see all those people get honored, uh, especially Peter Weir and Michael J. Fox on the Oscar stage. But they, they're just going to show us a few clips from something that happened uh, several months ago. And that's going to be it. I think that's a shame. Yeah. And um, there's any other any other aspects of the ceremony itself that you're particularly looking forward to? Um, you know what? I, I do hope to see. Uh, I'm very curious this year with the, the acting nomination. This is the first time three of the four acting nominations. It's not they could go any direction, those three uh, categories other than best supporting actor. So I am actually in suspense. It's kind of like, you know, sometimes in the playoffs, you know what team is going to win and advance to the next round. Here, it's just sort of like it could really go either way uh, or multiple ways. I think there's, you know, about two or three people that have a legit chance to win. So I think that's pretty exciting. And I, we haven't seen that kind of a race in this many categories. Maybe, Frank, since as long as I've been doing uh, the your Oscar show with you for about nine or ten years now. So it's been a while. Do you – um the <clears> – excuse me. There was one story that uh, Michelle Ye- Yo, Michelle Yeoh deleted an Instagram post about the lack of diversity at the Oscars. As people point out, it may have violated rules by mentioning uh, Kate Blanchett. Isn't that a bizarre thing for Michelle Yeoh, who's in a film that has many Asian people and has many nominees in it? Isn't that a bizarre thing for her to post in the first place? That is. um, I'm not sure why she would do that, especially when she's been winning so much up to this point. And I would say she's it's a there's I would say there's a 51 percent chance Michelle Yeoh wins Best Actress and a 49 percent chance Kate Blanchett wins her third Oscar for Tar, uh, so it's it's very it's a very close race. I don't know why she would do that, but she's talented. Hey, she was a Bond girl in uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, one of my favorite Pierce Brosnan Bond movies. Uh, so she's an actress that goes back a long way. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, of course, she was excellent in that. Uh, did you see everything everywhere all at once? Time? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I-, I loved it, actually. I thought it was terrific. I, did, I thought it was a fun, you know, very movie of its time, very much a movie of its time, but a, a fun, interesting look at, you know, the Asian-American experience that I could never thought of or, you know, experienced like that. So uh, I really enjoyed it a lot. And James Hong, the great James Hong was in it. And he's been in so many great uh, 
movies and TV shows throughout the decades. So. Yeah, no, I'm uh, pleased to see him getting some uh, recognition. Hey, whenever we do the segments about why the ratings for the Oscars continue to fall, one of the one of the constant refrains I always hear from people is that they think that the ceremony itself has become too political. And uh, it used to be something where either they would poke fun at everybody, every aspect of society, including everybody on the political spectrum. And now it kind of becomes, if you're a conservative, you, you feel a little out of place watching if if there's all these anti-Trump jokes, but not necessarily a lot of anti-Biden jokes. Is that a view that you share at all? Do you think that, uh, that the fact that the, do you think the ceremony has become overly political at the expense of ratings? No, I think I don't think it's uh, at the expense of ratings. I think they've always tried to be political or tried to make a stand. I think even with the movies that they nominate and with the movies that they choose as winners, they're trying to make statements um, uh, about that. So, I mean, I'm thinking of Crash winning over uh, Brokeback Mountain. I think they were clearly making a statement uh, with that. Uh, so it's I don't know if how much that has to do with ratings. I think the main people, why they don't care about the ratings, people don't maybe care about movies as much. Like you said, Titanic, everyone was invested in Titanic. Everyone loved Titanic. And even if it wasn't Titanic, you had that year, you had Goodwill Hunting was, I guess, the, you know, if anything was going to win besides Titanic, people love that movie. Uh, so it's, I think people aren't as invested in motion pictures as they used to be now. When you talk to people at work, you know, I think more people are apt to talk about uh, the new Netflix series they're binging or the new mm. uh, show on HBO Max or Disney Plus. They're not going to say, hey, did you see the new Top Gun this weekend? Oh, my God. And few people will, like you've said, you, you Frank, you used to go to the movies all the time. Right. You haven't had the chance to go to the movies. I mean, life happens. We both have, you know, we, we all have lives. We're all busy. We have families. But, I mean, I still think people made time. 20 years ago to see a big movie if they wanted to. And now it's just, why would they do that when they could, there's something that everyone's going to be talking about. That's going to be as hyped up as whatever, or more hyped up on Netflix or Amazon prime quality of what's on television in terms of so much better. I mean, it's great. I mean, the, I mean, whether you're talking comedy, whether you're talking drama, there was a time where the first rate entertainment was really, you know, it was really in the movie realm. And these days it seems like it's increasingly in the television realm. Although with streaming, I think a lot of those lines between uh, film and television are uh, somewhat becoming blurred. Hey, uh, I agree. Before we run out of time, Time, uh, Jason, I know you and I were both uh, we we were both members of Movie Pass, which for a monthly subscription allowed you to see as many films as you want, and then they cut it back. Then they made it only certain films. Now apparently it's coming back. Do you think that you would join Movie Pass again if it comes back? Uh, if it was like nine ninety nine a month, as long as there's the no restrictions, I would consider it. But also. I mean, then for a while, I was an AMC. Uh, AMC had a good thing where it was like 23 bucks a month for unlimited movies. That was so you, you saw two movies, you basically paid for your you know subscription for the month. Um, if there's enough movies that I'd want to see, I feel like everything remakes, sequels, reboots, you know, Marvel movies. And granted, those are the things that are keeping you know cinemas, brick and mortar, you know, movie theaters alive. 
but it's just not, you know, yeah, like, like you said, some of the best things, they might be, you know, in theaters for a month and then they're on HBO Max or they're streaming a month later. And I'm like, why did I waste my money on that? So I'm not sure. I wouldn't, I, I want movie theaters to survive. You know, I like it when it was the old ways when you go to the theater and then six months later you could get the videotape or get it pay-per-view on demand. And then six months after that, a year after it was in the theaters, it's on HBO or Showtime. Okay, that, you know, was, but it's, it moves so fast now that if you don't see a movie in the theater, all you have to do is wait, you know, two months and boom, it's on one of the streaming services. So that's just, yeah, the business moves much faster. Now. Yeah, that's for sure. Hey, non-Oscar related, uh, uh, earlier in the week, we did a segment asking people the worst movie they've seen starring a great actor. It, gun to your head, if you had to pick one right now, what would it be? Okay, De Niro's made a lot of bad movies, and he's such a great actor. Uh, so I don't know. I'd say maybe... Oh, God, the worst movie with, uh, you know what, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with Sean Connery. Okay. Hey, so there you go. That Jason, uh, enjoy the Oscars. We'll, we'll see how right you are. Thank you, as always, my friend. My pleasure. It was great being back on the show. Take Thank care, you. Frank. Check them out. Panandslam.com. Your influence counts. Be sure to use it.